Truth Espresso, episode 95. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey friends, this is Daniel Minnick, your host for Truth Espresso, coming at you with yet another episode. It's hard to believe that it is episode 95 already. It seems like just yesterday when we started this podcast, and yet God has been good to allow me to continue with 95 episodes already. But I don't know if you can tell, if the sound of my voice sounds a little bit different, it's because I've been rather under the weather this last week dealing first with a stomach flu and then some head cold symptoms. And so I haven't been able to uh, gather the notes and uh, have my wits about me for really putting together the next episode in the superhero series. But that doesn't mean we're not going to get into superheroes on this episode. Because what I bring to you in this episode 95 is actually where yours truly, Daniel Minnick was a guest on another show. So, on February the 10th, I was interviewed on The Quest for Truth with Keith Heltzley and Nathan Caldwell, and the episode actually aired on The Quest for Truth on March the 8th. And so they were gracious enough to let me cross-release this episode on Truth Espresso. So when we recorded... This episode, on February 10th, I had recorded and released the episode, Is Jesus Like Iron Man? And so that was the setting in which we did this interview. I had yet to record the next episode, Is Jesus Like the Incredible Hawk? And so as you listen to this episode on Superblians and superheroes, Superblians in particular, if you have listened way back before the superhero series was started, I did a three-part series called The Tale of the Superblians. This was my sci-fi story, um, my audio drama that I did trying to teach... Uh, economic, uh, political lessons that basically were a satire on the way things seem to be quickly headed uh, as we see today. Things are quickly unraveling before our eyes, and so a lot of the stuff on the tale of the Superblians just might come true, except for the part of aliens invading. So, we talk about the tale of the Superblians a little for the first half, and then for the second half we talk about uh, my superhero series as it stood at that time, and the identity of Jesus Christ and understanding him through the controversies of church history and illustrated, as our series has done, with superheroes. 
And so without further ado, I am going to play a promo for The Quest for Truth. I highly encourage you to check out Keith Heltzley's and Nathan Caldwell's work on The Quest for Truth podcast. They also have kind of sub-podcasts, such as The Protectorate podcast. They also do audio dramas. They're really two cool guys. They have big hearts And I was very glad when Keith contacted me to do this interview. And so here we go. Quest for Truth. Hello, this is Keith Helsley of Quest for Truth. And I'm Nathan Caldwell. Together, we talk about worldviews. Things that affect our pop culture today. We roleplay the viewpoints represented... We sift through some of the faulty logic in them. And compare them to what scripture says. Once a month, we dig into the Bible. Going through one book at a time. One verse or phrase at a time. Exposing the truth in scripture. Truth exposed. Hey, that sounds like a good name for a podcast. I like it. How about explicit truth? No. How about Naked Truth? No, no, no. Check out Truth Exposed on the first week every month. You missed something, Keith. Our audio drama. As long as our protectorate players have all their parts in. And our lazy script department has the scripts ready. Um, isn't that you? Make that our hard-working script department. Watch for new audio dramas on the third week of the month. Quest for Truth. Because if it's true... It's true inside the Bible as well as outside the Bible. Check out life-truth.com. And so that was uh, the Quest for Truth promo. Go to uh, their website at lifetruth.com. That's life-truth.com. And I will put a link to the Quest for Truth and Life Truth in the show notes for this episode. And now, here we go. The interview that I did for Keith and Nathan on the Quest for Truth on Of Superblians and Superheroes. <laughs> Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN, Helpsley Podcast Network. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here is your host, making moles out of a groundhog, Keith Helpsley. Solving all your problems and making your dreams come true. Somebody, please shoot me. Welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome to Quest for Truth, uh, the show where we like to talk about worldviews and tackle things in our culture and society, compare it to Bible uh, standards, I guess you would say. Uh, what does the Bible say about this? What, and uh, 
and see how the Christian worldview stands up. And we also like to do interviews. And you may have noticed on our previous episode to this one, we were able to talk with Andrew Rappaport. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, we don't have Nathan Cowell back. Well, exactly. We He may make an appearance in a little bit. Uh, but for now, um, not, I'm not alone here in Church House Studios, as we like to call it. I have another guest with me. Uh, he is another of the uh, fellow podcasters at the Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. And hey, I might even slip in a fast promo because uh, I don't have a lot of housekeeping, and I'll slip it in right here, and then we'll get started. What's up, Dad Hackers? My name is Patrick Antonucci, and I am the host and founder of this podcast and community of Dad Hackers. Whether you're new here or I've been here for a long time, I want to personally welcome you. Dad Hackers is a community of Christian fathers who are devoted to encouraging, equipping, and enabling one another to become the men that God has created and designed us to be so that we can raise up the next generation of fully devoted followers of Christ and leave a legacy of multi-generational faithfulness. On this show, we primarily interview Christian men to dive into their experiences and insights into what it means to be a Christian man, a Christian husband, a Christian father, and a leader. We ask questions that dig deep into the thinking and rationale of these men so that we can all learn and grow into the men that God is calling us to be. I'm grateful you joined us today. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss any of our episodes. Also, be sure to leave an honest review. Reviews help to boost the show's ratings, which means that more dads are going to come across our show and benefit from the content that we put out. I wanted to let you know that we also have a free private Facebook group just for Christian men. So head on over to facebook.com slash group slash dadhacker and apply to join by answering the three questions when prompted. So that's facebook.com slash group slash dad hacker. <laughs> All right, let's uh, meet our guest, uh, Daniel Minnick, right? Yes, you pronounced it correctly. Yeah, because I know my computer voice never does. It always calls you Daniel Minick. <laughs> <laughs> I need to train it to not do that. I, can, I may have to get into a pronunciation dictionary. Uh, and, and in case you didn't know, and maybe some of our listeners don't know, uh, I am someone who is blind. I use uh, text-to-speech technology to read things to me. So, uh, yeah, that's why I, I may mispronounce your name. And if I do, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. I hear my name mispronounced even by uh, friends, so I'm used to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I try not to. Uh, once I learn someone's name, I unless I really love to be called a nickname or something, I, whatever they want to be called, that's how I try to to do. Uh, but yeah, Daniel, your podcast is called Truth Espresso, and I know you do a lot, of course, Bible teaching uh, because that's what we do on Christian Podcast Community. But you also have some other interesting topics. Uh, I know I really enjoyed your series you did with your wife on the uh, abortion issue. And uh, I know you do a lot of economics type uh, series. The one that recently you've done was something of audio drama. 
<laughs> and I know my co-host has some questions about that. And I uh, trying to there we go. Try to find these notes here so I can stay on board with what's going to be said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, uh, Nathan Caldwell is here, and he wants to know. Uh, so first off, Daniel, give us a little bit about yourself and your show. When did you get started podcasting? Well, um, as Keith mentioned, my name is Daniel Minnick, and I am the host of the Truth Espresso podcast, although... That's not the first time that I attempted a podcast. There's a little bit of uh, history there. So uh, back, I I, I do run a website that I don't update as much as I would like to called Truth Hub. So truthhub.org is my website. And originally, actually, it all started with a book that I wrote that I don't market that much, but it's, but my book that I wrote way back in 2011 is called Freedom to Give, the Biblical Truth About Tithing. And I actually take kind of the controversial position in that book that like the Bible does not teach that we're required to tithe in the technical sense, the Christian, but it does teach that we are required to give. And so, you know, that's a, a discussion for another episode, perhaps, but I wrote the book, Freedom to Give. I, uh, one of my distant relatives from um, my wife's side of the family was also interested in publishing a book. And so I explained to him how I published freedom to give. And he also showed up at my book signing and I knew that he had some interesting um, theological positions, but basically half of my book signing turned into me having a discussion yeah. with this family member, not about the topic of my book, but about one of the topics of his book, that uh, his book that he was trying to publish soon afterwards, but he basically held a position similar to Jehovah's Witnesses that Jesus is not eternal with the Father, he's not co-equal oh, with no. God, he's the you know, greatest creation of God. And so I argued the deity of Christ with him for about half the book signing time there. And as I had the, after I had the discussion with him, I wanted to really study the matter more. And so I, I studied the deity of Christ and I um, came up with a Bible study that I had with my family, not not him there, but my immediate family. So for several months, I led a Bible study with them going through uh, the deity of Christ, the proof for that. And originally, my website was freedomtogive.net. But then after the first year, I changed it to truthhub.org and started to blog with a series to prove the deity of Christ and the doctrine of the Trinity. And so that took off in my interest in apologetics. And so as I was getting into apologetics and truthhub.org, I also was listening to podcasts and thought, yeah, I want to try doing that. I don't want to just write. I want to talk. 
And so in 2015, I started the Truth Hub podcast kind of as part of the content matter of the website. And so I did a few episodes. I was a little bit ambitious because I thought I could create and script out an elaborate fake commercial for every episode. And then I kind of got worn out from trying to do that. And so that aspect of it kind of slowed down the Truth Hub podcast into Podfade. And so later on, back in 2019, just a few years ago now, I got reinterested in podcasting and I tried to research, like, how do I avoid pod fade? What do I need to do to be a successful podcaster? And I realized, figure out the consistent schedule. Don't try to overburden yourself. Now, originally, I tried to... uh, um, for the Truth Espresso podcast, you know, I was trying to come up with different names instead of. Oh, yeah, because uh, that's, uh, I think Nathan Caldwell has a question there. Let me have him ask you this. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, how did you come up with your title? Oh, yeah. So that's that's what I was going to get into. I was trying to figure out based on the topics. I was like, I want to do apologetics. I also have. Um, uh, ideas about economics that I wanted to do also at the time. And uh, so I was thinking of the truth and freedom podcast. So, uh, you know, basically, okay. um, My ideas about Liberty and also my apologetics. And so um, that, that name eventually changed before I can do anything. And then I was trying to figure out like, I need a name that's kind of catchy and, Um, so I thought, actually, I thought about creating a podcast based on the fact that Andrew Rappaport that you interviewed last episode had a, a daily podcast that was like, that's two minutes, pretty much on the dot Monday through Friday. And I thought maybe I should do something like that. Maybe that would be the easiest way to have a podcast. I can just research Um, the, 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 you know, the daily podcast is rough. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I soon found that out and I started to figure out like, well, maybe instead of having, you know, five, five minute episodes, maybe I should do Monday, Wednesday, Friday and do like 10 minute episodes or something like that. And then I then I started to cut back. Well, maybe how about 15 minute episodes, you know, two days a week. And then eventually, yeah. you know, I I. <laughs> settled on once uh, a week (laughs) yeah a a weekly schedule is a really good schedule to keep (laughs) i I think the trick behind andrew's uh daily is he he saves it all up and he does all uh five shows on like the weekend Mm -hmm. he just slices or he just cuts them up in two minute segments so (laughs) he sits down to record them all and then but he he has the breaks so they're they break apart which is smart Yeah, that's, I mean, I thought of doing that too. And that's why I thought of Truth Espresso, like being like your morning coffee and, you know, just some quick little shot of something. But then I figured, okay, 
you know, I was thinking of just quick little topics. And then even that was just a little bit overwhelming because it would be easier to just ramble on if I know one topic. And so then I went to, ah, I'll just do one, one episode a week, even though I'll still retain truth express. So I don't know how much that will make sense with just one episode a week. But I figured, you know, if I get enough episodes out there, people might just binge listen to it maybe, and they'll listen to it every day. So maybe that'll work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Nathan has our question here. He's, um, I, I don't like coffee. Should I still listen? <laughs> well, um, yeah, let's see. Yeah. I know there's caffeine in, you know, you could probably put espresso in other drinks like energy drinks oh, and yeah. maybe disguise it so that you can't taste the coffee. But, you know, like a chihuahua or something. <laughs> It's like, oh, well, I guess if the truth outweighs the espresso, then maybe it'll be worth it for Nathan. But <laughs> I guess you could enjoy your favorite drink. enjoy whatever drink you want nathan but you know i highly encourage you to listen to truth espresso yeah i i I like the concept i like the opening where (laughs) with the chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) we we play your promo uh, from time to time on the show we squeeze it in uh and so I'm sure our listeners are familiar with that. If they haven't listened to your show, I would highly encourage them to do that. Uh, now I know uh, because both Nathan and I, we kind of have a little bit of a background in audio drama. Before we hooked up as co-hosts, he had a a podcast. We still does where he does short audio dramas. They're uh, from time to time, and. Uh, I did a, a retro radio podcast for years before I even started doing this one, and I still do, which of course involves you know old time radio dramas, and so we were really into that kind of thing, and that's why I, I went back and listened to your old radio commercials that you did, <laughs> whether you like them or not, <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. But Nathan has a question. Recently, you went off your usual track of lessons and lectures, didn't you? What were you thinking? (laughs) Referring to uh, your audio drama. Oh, are you talking about the tale of the Superblians? Okay. I have to admit, the sci-fi story was awesome, and it had some great teaching in there as well. The Superblians remind me of Christian conservatives. We share what is right, but there's often blowback. Is that a fair comparison? Yeah, well, let's see. So yeah, I, I liked it okay. too. It, you, you did all the voices. <laughs> I have to say, I, I for a little bit thought about doing an audio drama where I voice things, but I didn't know how that would work. And I and you do a good job at it with you know changing the the tone and pitch. And, you know. <laughs> I I tried to imitate because there are people in the tale of the superblians who are real people like but they're parodies of them and I tried but but failed miserably to imitate their voices but <laughs> so, so so like if you had you know I don't know, not, not not Donald Trump but you, you do his voice or do a Mickey Mouse voice you would try to imitate that and, and it didn't work <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's my personality, but I have a hard time um, re- referring to people, you know, if I'm supposed to be that person, I've got to try to imitate their voice. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of have to get into their headspace a little bit, I think. So do you, you want to know about like where that whole idea came from, the tale of the Superblians? So you can take that and attack it however you want. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so kind of a basic background to how I came up with that story. Like I know that like if you've, you've heard of some of the dystopian novels, uh, you know, like you have Atlas Shrugged and stuff like that. Now I wanted to do something. I've had kind of the idea about aliens invading in a way, but their invasion is actually a good thing, but it was based on kind of, the the way i'd see uh politics trending such that it's like people would tend to kill the goose that laid the golden egg as it were oh. so <laughs> like i've um even like years ago i've i've seen people like economists like free market economists explain like they'd ask people the question like what if you had a magic wand that if you waved it it would you know, you could create things from nothing or you could end world hunger, you know, would that be a good thing? But then people are influenced by the prevailing economics, you know, Keynesianism, actually, they start to think and say, like, well, it might seem like a beneficial thing, but first of all that might, that will put certain people out of a job and that would be horrible so that you know that and if you put some people out of a job then you end up causing a depression and that would destroy the economy even if you think it helps it actually destroy well, it <laughs> for an example you, you mentioned world hunger i mean would, would that be a good example let's say you, you did end world hunger and people in several countries now have uh, enough to eat you know enough their daily requirement how how might that be a bad thing <laughs> yeah i mean the whole idea is common sense you know what it, it would be a good thing if even the bible talks about feeding the hungry taking care of the orphans and widows and so you know even if we had the equivalent of a magic wand or benevolent aliens invading and introducing technology you know i would think from a christian perspective that would be a good thing to you know help improve people's lives and so the whole idea there is to show yeah duh as it's a good thing it, common sense says it's a good thing but people have been led astray by politics you know and the idea of the government controlling things and especially you know the evil that i consider the keynesian idea that gets people to think the exact opposite of the truth and so you know get people to pit against other people and then they look at the idea like well it's unfair that these uh, superblians all get can get the best jobs or they have things that are better and so equality of outcome is better than you know how good things actually are for the bottom line and so you know i actually try to work in contemporary thinking into the story to try to get people to understand you know like wait a minute like <laughs> i had that unsettling comment by 
um, the main character's friend where he asks, like, did we, <laughs> did we do the right thing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I happened to just thinking, uh, like for world hunger, let, let's say suddenly uh, there was enough, you know, rice bowls to feed everybody. Well, then people become dissatisfied or take it for granted, much like manna. <laughs> the Old Testament, yeah, the free food, but they grumbled about it, from, <laughs> yeah, you know, almost day one. Uh, so yeah, maybe you know, world hunger. It's not just a matter of conquering it. Once you fit that need, just people are gonna find a different need to gripe about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, that's a good illustration. With the Israelites in the wilderness, they had supernatural provision of everything they needed, but then they thought, well, you know, there's an injustice here because it's not the way I think it should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, one another question for Nathan. So will the Superblians ever come back? So by come back, do you, Nathan, do you mean like, am I going to have a sequel or does it mean like, will they ever, will the Superblians after having left come back to earth? (laughs) Will we be hearing any other tales from you? Oh, well, yeah. Will will there be a sequel? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I have to think of if I'm going to make a sequel, how it would turn out any different from the first one and like what other lessons can i do but you know as to far as far as the superblians coming back that would depend on how how um they feel that they can be safely invited back to earth again and not end up having to gather their things and leave again (laughs) because your story didn't end with like massive uh, war and Closing the doors and burning bridges behind them, they feasibly could come back if the right lesson came along. <laughs> yeah, it's well, like dystopian light. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that was, yeah, I, like I said, we we enjoyed the audio dramas, uh, and so yeah, we we both of us got a kick out of the <laughs> superbian tales. <laughs> cool. Uh, speaking of uh, playing off the superb and superbian. Now you you currently are doing a superhero series, and I wanted to have you talk about that a little bit. Uh, now I wanted to ask though, uh, we actually had a superhero series. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, did. Thank you. Similar. Right for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know you didn't because yours is a lot better than ours. <laughs> oh. So you compare we, Jesus to superheroes. Yeah, well, early on, we had a six-series uh, 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 bit on Messiah as a superhero. <laughs> uh, and basically, I mean, Nathan uh, came up with the uh, the outline for it, and we just kind of batted uh, ideas back and forth. For example, uh, the first one was, of course, his origin. You know, superheroes have origin stories. We talked about his birth and creation of the world and stuff like that. Uh, superpowers. Uh, we talked about his uh, temptation in the wilderness and power over demons and such. Uh, his secret identities. Uh, <laughs> uh, you even discussed this, I think, on yours, Jesus as a secret identity, you know, God in the flesh. We kind of touched on that too. Uh, but uh, again, I think you did a better job. <laughs> Uh, the character, uh, superheroes have good character. Jesus was concerned about widows and orphans. 
and then we, uh, our last one was Mighty Deeds, and we kind of came full circle on, you know, more of the miracles, walking on water, and that kind of thing. So that, that's kind of a fast rundown on how we walked through Jesus, comparing him with you know, certain traits of superheroes. Cool. But I, I like to your approach. You do. You can. You apply superheroes, and you compare early church heresies, which. Uh, it's a pretty good slant. <laughs> yeah. Like um, how I came up with that uh, actually about two years ago, I was uh, um, the Sunday school teacher at my church for the adult, one of the adult classes that I was uh, attending. Um, he had to go out of town and he let me uh, take over. Originally it was going to be, I think one or two sessions and so I started to teach what I know, which was, um, you know, who is Jesus? So I, I had a series that I, I entitled um, That I May Know Him. And so I started to go through the early heresies to try to explain, you know, to, you know, independent Baptists there in my church what who Jesus is like that we can often forget. And so as I, I think it was on the second week, I was starting to think to myself, like, am I getting through to people? Is this understandable trying to explain one person with two natures and what constitutes a nature and how do you not confuse the two or confuse person and nature. And, uh, you know, I could see some people like maybe start to fall asleep or something like that. So then I like halfway through the second session, I started to come up with superheroes to illustrate it. Like, okay. Or talking about docetism is, you know, like, it's not like Superman. Oh, Superman looks human, but he's not really human. That's like docetism. And, and so then I started to think of like, okay, yeah, Batman, he's really cool, but he's, he's a superhero, but he's only human. And that's not what Jesus is like. And then I actually ended up doing, I think at least six, session so when the sunday school teacher came back then i asked him about it. i'm like i'm not finished These people with this. were studying comic books <laughs> instead of their church quarterlies they're like what's going on here <laughs> yeah so then i started to look up like i think I, okay i can kind of i think i could figure out a superhero that would illustrate each of these so then i talked about you know, Superman as docetism, Batman as uh, Ebionism and Socinianism, and then like Arianism, I kind of thought of Thor being, you know, the, the the son of Odin, and and then, um, let's see, what did I go to next? Then, uh, you know, it was Iron Man, wasn't it? Iron Man, yeah, so I did Iron Man there and explained, okay, like, think of it as a reverse Iron Man, you know, Jesus is not just in a human suit driving it around, you know, what is a full human nature composed of? And then, and then there's the Hulk um, for Nestorianism, you know, he's not like two personalities. (laughs) Yeah. I explained that. So I'm like, Jesus is in the boat, which I'll probably do when I get to that episode, you know, when Jesus calms the storm, it's not like the Hulk comes out and says, peace, be still. And then, you know, eventually then when it's done, the disciples say, what manner of man is this? And then Jesus kind of comes to himself like, wait, did I, did I just do that? You know, (laughs) like the split personality. And then, 
And then I, I, I think I had Spider-Man as Eutychianism, the two mixture of the natures, you know, and then, but then I actually started to do like go after that and do like on monothelitism, like one will instead of two wills. And I came up with the idea of um, Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man. Oh. Like I really tried to find a good guy, a superhero to illustrate it, but I couldn't think of anyone else hmm. besides Dr. Octopus with the inhibitor chip to inhibit his human will and have only the divine will you know the <laughs> divine will of the the legs there yeah so so I'll, I'll still do that for this series but i do want to say because it was brought to my attention that someone actually did write a book about this i think his name is todd miles and he uh-huh. wrote a book called superheroes can't save you so when i became aware of this i started to look at the 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 superheroes that he used and i'm like really he he used um uh you know the hulk and spider-man and mm-hmm. like batman and superman and I'm like yikes you know the, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing that he is like i better you know so like the, when i record the next episode even i'm gonna do it on the green lantern i thought of oh yeah the green lantern works for adoptionism and then finally like he did the green lantern too like i better uh-huh. let the listeners know that someone did this and you know yeah. i didn't intentionally You're copy him. yeah <laughs> I know it's like who else do you illustrate some of these with but I'm, yeah. uh, instead well, of spider-man you know, each superhero has their personality and yeah. their own set of super traits and you know each of those heresies has their own types of characters and traits i mean it would just be you would think as simple as taking a personality test that anybody who is wise to it would figure it out and it sounds like you have <laughs> now one thing i'll say is sometimes the names of the old heretics i don't know who they are but <laughs> but through your explanation it's like you know I, I i can see the heresy you're describing and you can also see it's not it hasn't gone away oh yeah for uh, sure I, I thought about doing something of a series on heresies based on you know well, people out there say uh, you there's a special knowledge you got to be in to know. You know, you got to be woke, as it were. Uh, if you're not woke and have this knowledge, well, you know that's Gnosticism. That goes way back. It's even mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think not to do with that, and and just kind of take start with today. Oh, it's this new thing, new age, yeah, and then go back to you know. <laughs> Mm. back to the second century or something and and kind of taking it backwards starting with hey i know this and i think you're doing that with the superheroes you're starting with something familiar people know and then you're diving back into the you know i'd like to use the words you know dusty and musty church history stuff but but i think it works you know yeah Because I think is think church history is important. It's kind of like as George Santayana 
Satsantananya said that, you know, the, something to the effect that those who did not learn from history, you know, are, are doomed to repeat it. And so it's like you see every single one of those uh, heresies in history show up again. I've talked to people who were Nestorian uh, on Facebook. I've talked to some people on Facebook and in person who are obviously Eutychian, you know, and monothelite. And I've I've talked to people. I've actually talked to Gnostics, as I mentioned in the in the one episode about Superman. And yeah, of course, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Sir Anthony Buzzard, who was who's a Socinian that James White and Michael Brown debated. You know, it's like that like the batman heresy and yeah. <laughs> like yeah and like i said sometimes you know the the names of the labels uh i i guess it maybe it's just me uh sometimes the labels kind of don't stick but uh, the description of what they mean do uh which maybe it's a bunny trail but it reminds me of john the baptist when the people come up are you the prophet <laughs> no, I'm not the prophet, but I do this, and he describes exactly what the prophet was predicted that was going to happen. He he didn't use the label because he didn't want the baggage or the confusion, but he said, "This is what I'm doing. You decide." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm I'm more of a that is I can grab the description whether the label's there or not. You know, uh, but it's good to have those labels because you for people who that matters and. You have something to call it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like with those superheroes, I don't know if you kind of can see the trend in history. It's almost like a pendulum, you know. It's like, oh, is, he's only fully divine. No, he's only fully oh. human. No, he's only well, he's this div. He's he's um partially divine or whatever. No, he's partially human. Oh, wait, no, yeah, no, there's, there's, yeah. Okay. He has the two natures, but they're split. No. Okay. That's wrong. Oh, he has the two natures, but they're mixed together and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. <laughs> it was, I, I think it might've been the recent, recent one on Iron Man, but I don't remember. It might've been <laughs> the previous one about the two natures. And uh, when in one of the early debates was, it was yeah, I think it was Iron Man. It was Jesus that's God in a suit, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, was there really a, a a mental intellect inside their name Jesus, or did was that just you know God like a puppet? You know? <laughs> yeah, God and God operating a human body like a machine yeah. type of thing. Yeah, like like a puppet or something. Yeah, or a suit. Yeah, it's like like actually like, when like you to a man Jesus was actually in a coma and it was God like <laughs> possessing him like a spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of I guess the concept of that that uh, heresy. You know, and I know early on and you know everyone progresses in their Christian walk and they develop and it, for a while I, I thought stuff like that. I thought, mm -hmm. well, well, I guess that would work, but it didn't always explain things satisfactorily you know yeah I, I could say i i thought about that too when i was like trying to read about who jesus is to you know an apologetics and stuff and i encountered apollinarianism and when i read the description about it at first i thought like what's wrong with that you know like i think a lot of you know, mainstream evangelicals tend to think like an Apollinarian that Jesus is like Iron Man, you know, reverse Iron Man. The incarnation is God 
took on a body and is walking around on the earth. And, and so when I read a description of that, at first I thought, what's wrong with that? Why is that so bad? And then I read um, Gregory of Nazianz is his writing and it's like, Oh, wow. He makes a good point there. Yeah. What is not assumed is not healed. And, and I'm like thinking, wow, the, these early church apologists, these writers were like, they were so focused on substitutionary atonement. And then as I read, you know, about all of these heresies and the, the, how the apologists would explain things like everything always had to do with substitutionary atonement. Like that mm-hmm. was the thing. And so then I realized, as I mentioned in the last episode, like, and when you think like a philosopher, you're thinking about like, how do I explain the metaphysics of something? If I can't understand the metaphysics, then it can't be true. And what, you know, how do I explain God walking on the earth? And then, and then I explain like Christianity is all about why he came and, and you start with why he came, what was the purpose that actually then leads back to, well, then who is he? (laughs) That's yeah. You know, and uh, if here's another thought, maybe along that line is if the, the end purpose was uh, Jesus was going to be the pseudo flesh as it were for God to hang on a tree and be the uh, atonement. Well, why did he come as a child, mm-hmm. why did he was he born as a baby? Uh, you might say, "Well, duh, that's how people are born." Well, look at the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus uh, made appearances through there. I mean, theologians will point out all kinds of places where well, that's Jesus, and here's Jesus. Uh, whenever uh, was it Joshua uh, met the man in the uh, the warrior, and he says, "Are you forester against us?" This is I forgot. Yeah. Uh, that was Jesus. Okay. So Jesus, if he wanted to, he could show up fully formed, fully grown, uh, do his thing, uh, button heads with the theologians, hang on the cross. Why did he have to come as a baby? And I think it's because he had his own personality separate and I didn't, you know, from God and the Holy spirit. And he wanted to experience life from moment zero up until the death on the cross. And I think because he had his own intellect, uh, you know, you have to ask when does your intellect start? You know, it starts when your body develops, it starts at birth or conception. And I think he had to be born uh, starting from, being in Mary's womb, because that's when life starts. That's when Mm -hmm. your mind attaches to your body. And when you die, your mind, I guess, unattaches to your body and goes to what comes next. And so, yeah, he did have to, I mean, he was God in, what's the word? Attributes. But he was fully man as far as, the human experience goes, you know. Yes. And, and yeah, to answer the question about, well, why did he have to do all that? Why did he have to be born and be a young child in the temple and grow up and do the whole thing with whatever bar mitzvah and, and stuff like that. It's like, you know, 
it's all about substitutionary atonement and substitutionary atonement isn't just the death and the cross. You know, even if you look at church history, you look at Irenaeus of Lyon, the apologist who wrote against heresies. Now, you know, we'll, we'll point out that he wasn't correct in that he believed that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was about 50 years old when he died on the cross, but, you know, his reasoning for it was, it had you know he had to be old enough to get through every stage of human development like you know there was so much focus in the early church about substitutionary atonement even to that point where Irenaeus thought like he can't his life can't, couldn't end too early because he has to go through every stage of of human development you know including a certain age and stuff but yeah part of it is that you know he couldn't be the substitute unless he were truly human now if he just appeared on the scene even had a body of flesh like okay now it's time to die you know that's that wouldn't work as as um, paul said in galatians 4 4 through 5 that i quote in quite a, in several of those episodes you know god sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that are under the law. Like, so obviously he had to be born as one under the law. He had to be fully human. He had to experience humanity and him, even his living the sinless life was part of him being the spotless lamb as John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Substitutionary atonement depends on someone starting as a fetus, you know, in the womb of Mary, going through that, being born, living under the law as our perfect example. And if he has a full life of one under the law, fully human, uh, God, you know, one person with two natures, a full human nature there, that qualifies him to be the spotless lamb who can then die as a lamb without spot or without blemish, then he can be our substitute. And so substitutionary atonement, I know as good, you know, evangelicals, it's like all about the cross, but yeah, for sure it is about the cross, but it's also about the burial and the resurrection. It's also about him having to live a full, perfect life under the law, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that are under the law. So his whole life, his ministry, his miracles, his teachings, everything was all in that package of being of the substitutionary atonement. Yeah, uh, because, I mean, that, how could he really pay that price unless he was the full package? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's uh, Andrew Rappaport is always saying that uh, to pay an eternal price, you have to have an eternal being. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the body was the body of a man, but the eternal being is what makes it the substitutary atonement because God is actually, I mean, I, God's a spirit. He He doesn't live and die like we live and die. It, but if he could do it, he would, and he <laughs> did. <laughs> yes. you know? Oh, man. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to learn there with superheroes and heresies. <laughs> and like I said, all these things, you know, uh, that you mentioned, it's like, you know, I've, at some point in my Christian walk, it's like, I've, 
you know, trying to make sense. I was like, maybe it's this. No, that doesn't sound right. Maybe it's that. And, but, uh, but like I said, early on, there were really smart thinkers in the church who really hashed this out. Uh, people like to say, you know, have what's it called a chronological snobbery. Oh, they, they were so dumb back then. They didn't know. <laughs> well, they did. They were a lot smarter than what you think they were back then. And they got, had it figured out. Uh, but the heresies keep coming back. Yeah. yeah if you read Athanasius's on the incarnation and against the Arians, you see that a lot of the arguments we use against the Jehovah's witnesses, he was using against the Arians. So, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We just need to recognize what history provides us and benefit from it. Yeah. And, and I, I've, I've never been much to study church history, being a good Baptist and all, <laughs> yes. uh, you just read the Bible and you go from here and that's good. That's good, mm-hmm. but it does pay because all of a sudden you're out in the world and somebody slams you with something like uh, the Epicurean argument about why is there evil in the world? You're like, you know, that almost makes sense. But when you start digging into it, it's like none of it makes sense. Uh, there's four four points to that argument, and the only one that even is directed towards is the third argument. And all that does is ask the question. It doesn't prove anything. <laughs> it doesn't make the question worse. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just briefly to describe that for somebody who doesn't know what that is, is uh, basically the, the statement say that uh, if God, God is either uh, good and, and powerless, therefore there's evil or he's uh, malicious even though he has power, therefore there's evil. The third question is, so why is there evil? And then the fourth question, I forget what it is, because by then you lost me. Mm-hmm. Because the important question is whether there's God or not, there's still evil. And if you want to say there's evil, so therefore there's no God. Okay, great. There's no God. Now tell me why is there still evil? You just proved there wasn't any God. <laughs> so it, it, I'll tell you, it comes from the same place. Read Genesis 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, evil comes from humanity. It doesn't come from God. Yeah, for that type of question, that type of challenge, then it's like you go into presuppositional apologetics and then ask, mm-hmm. you know, well, if God doesn't exist, then how do we even define evil? You know, <laughs> it's just your opinion and you have no absolute standard to which to appeal to say that this is right or wrong. You know? and, and these these kind of uh, alleged new challenges, no, they're not new. Uh, and it's good to read the Bible and, and live your life and be good disciples. But once in a while, you'll find somebody who tosses a stumbling block. And, it's, and if you examine it, it's like, and you read church history, it's like, this has been around for so long. Uh, you just have to you know, be aware. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. nothing new. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I guess we've been talking for quite some time. I, I don't like to have a super long show. I think this might be a good spot to officially wrap up. And I know Nathan Cobble has one last thing he wants to say here. Well, Daniel, I wish I could have been available to discuss with you guys in person. I'm glad you got to be on. How can people contact you? Let's see. You can go to truthhub.org and if 
If I remember correctly, there might be an email there. Otherwise, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my email is uh, truthspresso at truthhub.org if you want to uh, contact me related to the podcast. Or there's also daniel at truthhub.org. Um, and I would say make note of those because I went to your website looking for a contact form. I couldn't find it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, that I shows... went to the search box and looked for email. And I found <laughs> a thing that says, send me your email and I'll send you this book about Jesus. I thought, okay, click. I never did get the book. <laughs> oh, well, I better check that because I thought I tested it. So it shows how but, often I update my website. Email, so. <laughs> okay. But yeah, check out the webpage and, uh, and uh, send Daniel email. Check out the podcast uh, as ours. It's on Christian Podcast Community Org, and you'll find his and a bunch of other shows there. And I haven't found a bad one yet. They're all really good. Mm-hmm. I feel bad because everybody sounds a lot smarter than me. I feel bad because I think everyone, you know, is like more relatable and, you know, oh. cooler than I am. <laughs> oh, well, well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we will go ahead and wrap this up officially and uh, we'll get our closing credits here to queue up and roll in the music. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell on you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a savior. Thanks for listening. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 